Welcome to hour number three of the Pete Kaliner Show, and I am clearly not Pete Kaliner. This is Brad Slager filling in for the host as he is taking a well-deserved break and hope uh, hope Pete has the feet up, drink in hand, and is enjoying some solitude. Well, here we can move into maybe the sporting realm a little bit as a big story is broken one of the rare times that the WNBA makes the news, but big news was yesterday that Brittany Griner, the WNBA player who's being held in Russia on drug charges, was facing a uh, facing a conviction actually yesterday. She was, if you're unfamiliar with the story, and most people have probably heard this, but she was traveling into Russia. She was going to be playing there actually in a Russian basketball league. And she was detained and arrested for carrying hash oil. And she's been in stir for the uh, past few months. There's been a lot of negotiations taking place. And Griner yesterday was sentenced to nine years in Russian prison after failed negotiations with the White House and our administration to get her possibly free on a prisoner exchange. What was interesting about this is that Russia seemed to step up their negotiations as far as uh, what they were demanding. We were looking at a prisoner exchange here is what it comes down to. That uh, Brittany Griner, as well as former Marine Paul Whelan, were going to be part of this exchange. Whelan is being held on charges of espionage. Has been for a while. And U.S. authorities said that they offered Russia what was quoted as being a substantial proposal. The idea here was that they were going to send, meaning the U.S., authorities were going to send over convicted Russian arms dealer Victor Bout, known as the Merchant of Death. And CNN actually was uh, reporting that Russia wanted more they say that russia came back and said they also wanted included the name of vadim krasikov who's a military colonel who's convicted of murdering a chechen fighter in 2019 he was sentenced to life in prison here and russia clearly feels like they've got leverage the fact being that britney griner is quasi-celebrity she's a She's a known entity, at least in the States, and there's a lot of push for it. Sports journalism, obviously the WNBA and a, you know, a host of other people are lobbying on her behalf. She's getting a lot of press. And as a result, Russia sees this as an opportunity. And it seems as if her conviction is a way of stepping up negotiations in order for Russia to get more. So rather than work out a deal and allow her to come home, Russia went ahead yesterday and convicted her, gave her a nine-year sentence. And what's going to take place now remains to be seen, but it really looks like the U.S. is operating not from a position of power when it comes to these kind of negotiations. And the reaction in the media, of course, is varied. There's a lot of uh, speculation taking place. She was arrested back in February 
that's how long this has been going on. She got a relatively quick trial by comparison. And what is what's being seen now is that <laughs> I, I've seen a couple conflicting stories. Like there were some conservative individuals covering this and daring to bring up or such. And this caused some counter reactions. How dare you bring this up? How dare you mention that she's black or such? But then I saw, curiously enough, yesterday, it was on CNN, Dana Bash. Uh, she had a small panel where she was talking about this very story. And she actually said that she felt like Griner might have been targeted uh, you know, by Russian authorities and maybe given a harsher sentence due to the fact that she's black and a lesbian. So it's so it's okay for CNN to go there and bring up these items about her character that could have influenced Russian authorities, but don't you dare say it if you come from a conservative outlet. But Bash said something else that was kind of curious about this. Because you have to understand that the WNBA season is not on right now, and a lot of the players go abroad. And they play in women's basketball tournaments in China, parts of Europe, and Russia. And they do so because the salaries there are actually much better. But And that's not a problem. I mean, go chase the money if you can. If you can make it, great. This is what Dana Bash had as an explanation, however. She says this, quote, The reason Brittany Griner and other women are in Russia playing basketball is because they don't get paid anywhere near what the men get paid in the U.S., and that's just what they do. So it, it comes down to the that male-female payroll discrepancy that we frequently hear about. That's what compelled her to go to Russia. Well, actually, I think it was had something to do with that, but more to do with the fact that Russia actually pays out well. In the United States, Griner gets the maximum salary in the WNBA, roughly about two hundred and thirty thousand, and she can she can boost that a little bit with promotion, you know, advertising, things of this nature. She can maybe make some have speculated even another hundred thousand a year. In Russia, though, she can pocket over a million dollars a season, which is why she goes. And again, that's perfectly fine. Make what you can. But to blame this on American pay discrepancy really is not, it's a little too easy of an explanation for this reason. Like I said, she does make the league maximum allowed. There is a salary cap in WNBA. And that's because the WNBA doesn't turn a profit. The league is actually backed by the NBA. The women's league is subsidized by the men's league. So this is why, I mean, for them to say that they command a salary on par with the NBA doesn't measure up because the WNBA does not generate anywhere near the audience or the revenue or the profits. And this is something that frequently gets lost in all of these arguments. So oh, women don't much. Men make too much more. 
There's got to be a reason why for that, though, and this is it. And to say that she has to subsidize and go to Russia, even that falls a little flat only because at 230000 this kind of puts Brittany Griner in about the upper three percentile on average as far as U.S. salaries go. How we doing this Friday afternoon? Brad Slager is in for Pete Callender. And I want to turn our attention now to the border, or actually technically beyond the border. Because immigration has been a huge problem that they've had to contend with in the border states. You wouldn't really know this based on the news. They have kind of backed away from this story for the better part of a year while the influx continues, and they're pouring across the border as we speak. Interestingly enough, it was about a week or so ago when the quiet announcement was made that the Biden administration was actually going to continue building the wall in the Arizona area near Yuma. You know, this was kind of a... uh, Curious announcement, given the fact that this was one of Joe Biden's primary objectives when he first got sworn in. You know, if you recall those first few weeks after he became president, Joe Biden signed a number of executive orders, dozens of them. And about one quarter of those executive orders all concerned the border and immigration policies, primarily rolling back those that had been put into place by Donald Trump. And among them included suspending construction of the border wall. And now we're here. We have Joe Biden, the administration, completing the work. Well, when challenged on this, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, she said, well, that, what they're really doing is cleaning up what was left behind. When, in fact, what they were doing was closing the gap that remained there. Any kind of cleanup, of course, had to take place because Joe Biden had halted construction. Well, nonetheless, in the ensuing year or so since Joe Biden took office, immigration has become just a catastrophe on the border cities, especially in Texas, but also in Arizona. They have just been flooded and dealing with a massive influx of people. And these are small cities on the border there. They're relatively tiny. And so after months and months of frustration and money spent and all kinds of other headaches, Greg Abbott and also the governor of Arizona have begun a policy of exporting these immigrants to other locations. Abbott first wanted to make a statement by busing some of these illegals to Washington, D.C., to try to get some attention brought to this. And it was kind of amusing. A few months ago when this took place, I I even saw one segment involving Chuck Todd, who was kind of shaking his head and rolling his eyes. He's like, yeah, you know, some of these people are being dumped on the steps right outside. You know, how dare they? (laughs) What's his approach to this story? But this is something that's been continuing. Texas and Arizona have kept doing this. And guess what has happened now? The city of New York, 
in the city of Washington, D.C., are starting to complain about the influx of illegals and how they are struggling to deal with the number of residents now that are being shipped into their cities. New York City Mayor Eric Adams had the <laughs> kind of had the gall to complain about this and saying that we don't have the means, we don't have the facilities or the room or the space to put up these people. As if border towns with 5,000 people can put up with that many or more coming across the border into their cities. And in Washington, D.C., Muriel Bowser has also started to voice complaints about this because they are now bursting at the seams in their facilities. Um, I think they've converted one hotel to start housing the influx of immigrants, and a lot of them are starting to sleep on the street and outside and such. She has even turned to the federal government asking to have the National Guard come in and assist their city with this influx and dealing with this problem of immigration. So maybe, possibly we could say there's a dawning coming across the administration because these are Democrat mayors, by the way, who are now complaining about immigration to a Democrat administration. Is it possible that they could start seeing a little bit of a return on their complaints. Well, Bowser has been denied, actually, the National Guard assistance she asked for. They said, uh, no, we, we, we can't help you with that. You're going to have to contend with this. So this is becoming a severe problem for Democrat cities that are, again, much larger in size and much more equipped to deal with an influx of this nature. But here's where I think the biggest realization might come into play. The complaints that they're lodging don't really land. They don't have much traction. And that's because New York and specifically Muriel Bowser in D.C. have been proud and loud proponents of their towns being sanctuary cities. So they've given voice to support immigrants. Come and bring it into our city. But now all of a sudden they're dealing with a real problem and hopefully that'll lead to something. Welcome back to the Pete Callender Show. This is Brad Slager, columnist at Town Hall, writer at Red State, podcaster, and a number of other outlets, including KLRN Radio, as in twice weekly at Red State with my media podcast, Liable Sources. One of the things I've been covering when it comes to the media, comes to the press, is the manipulation of the language, specifically in the last few years, the way they've gone through a number of pretty extreme alterations of what is approved language. And it just seems to be the ongoing trend. You know, we saw when they were confirming our last 
Supreme Court justice. And, you know, the issue came up, well, what is a woman? And the answer that was given is, well, I can't say because I'm not a biologist. We're literally at the point now where declaring what is a woman is controversial. Now, they just had a um, couple of weeks ago, there was a testimony on the Hill and Josh Hawley was speaking with a college professor and said to her, you know, that he basically flatly declared that women can have babies. This was controversial. Consider that for a moment. <laughs> Saying that it's a woman that has the ability to give birth is controversial. She, the, the professor fired back at him and said that, you know, this was offensive language and it's dangerous. It could be violent and the individuals could take their lives or harm themselves as a result of this. As a result of saying a woman is what gives birth. You know, this is where we are these days that we have to redefine basics. And a lot of this has to do with the press paying fealty to the trans community. Something that it's, it's just an ongoing thing. It's growing, in fact, that more and more times we just have to pay deference to the trans community which as a percentage of the general public is very, very small. And yet the amount of deference paid to it is completely imbalanced. So now we have reports that come out on occasion that they have to mangle the language to say an individual that's blessed with a uterus or a person capable of delivering birth, things of this nature, they have to go as neutral as possible because actually assigning gender and sex to an individual can be deemed hateful. And yes, they're even going so far as to try to alter the Spanish language because in intolerant fashion, the Latin languages actually have gendered nouns. And so they come up with phrases like Latinx, supposedly, despite the fact that an overwhelming majority of Hispanics reject that very term that's still being forced on them on occasion. And it's just ongoing. We constantly alter our language to appease those who really are not that offended to begin with. Recently, they even had Miriam Webster alter one of the definitions of woman in the dictionary, you know, how you can look up a particular word and they'll have various definitions, you know, one or two or three, A, B or C. And in one of them, it said, woman is a designation that is the opposite of a male. Because it, they just can't declare a female to be a female. They have to kind of couch it and, and put this hazy kind of definition on. So a female is the opposite of a male. Then if you go to male, it says they're opposite of a female. So you don't even have clear definitions anymore in the dictionary of these things. Well, it has gotten to the point now where it, I've seen this happen a couple of times in journalism where they actually will go against their prior stances on issues of this nature. So what I mean is, it used to be believe all women, right? 
anytime there was an attack, anytime sexual assault or anything of the nature was declared, the woman is always correct. Not anymore. I first saw this, uh, this is in a BBC report that had come out and I'll give them some credit. They, they went so far as to actually explore some of the uh, ramifications of this, you know, what, what happens with the trans community and how women become diminished as a result, things of this nature. In this report though, they had a detail of a woman. She was a lesbian. And she detailed an episode she went through where uh, she was out in the town, had encountered a trans woman, and was detailing how she kind of felt uncomfortable with this individual, you know, because she could tell they weren't biologically female. But she kept going along with it. And she even said things of the nature like, I felt kind of pressured to be with this person because of I didn't want to be seen as intolerant or such. Well, this individual that she went home with the trans female and in the course of things escalating, she then backed off and said, no, no, I, I, I can't do this. The woman said this quote, he threatened to out me as a turf and risk my job. If I refused to sleep with him, she wrote, I was too young to argue and had been brainwashed by queer theory. So he was a woman even if every fiber of my being was screaming throughout. So I agreed to go home with him. He used physical force when I changed my mind upon seeing his penis and raped me. The BBC in the report went forward to change her testimony in order to change the pronouns. So as not to offend the rapist, they threatened to out me as a turf and risk my job. If I didn't sleep with them, they even went so far as to say this, they used physical force when I changed my mind upon seeing their penis and raped me. They literally did this. A woman is detailing her rape and the news outlet changes her quotes and her testimony because they didn't want to be offensive to the trans individual that attacked her. This is the level that it's getting to where the priorities are so convoluted and imbalanced that now we're, we're appeasing attackers where it used to be women were <laughs> to be honored and listened to in these cases and all times, not anymore. It's more important to get the pronouns correct than it is to condemn an attack on a woman. And the thing is, this is not an isolated case. Welcome back to the Pete Kaliner Show. This is not Pete. This is Brad Slager, columnist at Town Hall and Red State, filling in while he's gone. Now, I was just uh, discussing how many in the media are altering our language in real time, redefining what is a woman, declaring what is hateful, and declaring 
what is and is not accepted terminology anymore when it comes to gender and sex. And I just, uh, right before the break, I was talking about how the BBC did a news report where they were altering the language of a rape victim because she used the wrong pronouns. Amazingly enough. Well, that was hardly an isolated incident, turns out. Recently, a piece came out in Variety, the entertainment magazine, concerning the actor Ezra Miller. If you don't know Ezra Miller by name, you probably at least recognize from the movie The Flash, playing that superhero in the... Uh, well, that movie has not been released actually yet. Ezra Miller was in uh, Justice League as that character, and it's one of the movies that Warner Brothers was hoping would launch a variety of character films, and The Flash being one of them. It's uh, been long delayed. It's in the can, as they say, finished up and ready for release, just been delayed because of the pandemic. And Ezra Miller has appeared in other films as well, including the, uh, well, it's not a Harry Potter film, but it's part of that universe, the Part of the franchise, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, for instance. But Miller's making a name less as an actor and more as a problem. Over the course of the last year or so, Ezra Miller has had a number of violent incidents across the globe. There was an incident of attacking a woman in Germany. A couple of problems have risen in the country of Iceland, also in Hawaii, where a couple of uh, other incidents took place, disturbing the peace with one individual and later assaulting that person. There's also been a couple of cases here in the States, uh, I believe it's North Dakota and Massachusetts, where Miller is accused of grooming very young teenagers. This is not a uh, strong character individual, and it is presenting a number of problems for Warner Brothers. They're trying to figure out what to do now in regards to this franchise. Should they continue with it with Ezra Miller? There's a different actor that portrays the Flash in the TV show, so there's consideration of bringing them in instead. But there's a lot of PR problems for the studio. There's also some linguistic problems for variety. <laughs> because once again, we have a case of them speaking to a woman being attacked and altering her language. So the woman they spoke with, who, um, who had to endure an attack from Ezra Miller, says this. She says, quote, I think it's just fun and games, but then it wasn't. All of a sudden, he's on top of me, choking me, still screaming in my face, asking if I want to fight. My friend who is filming sees that he is obviously not joking. It is actually serious. So he stops filming and pushes him off of me. And on she goes. Variety altered her testimony once again. to you Because Ezra Miller considers himself... And I have to say it that way, apparently. Ezra Miller says they are non-binary. Ergo, it's hateful 
to refer to Ezra Miller as he or him or his. And variety, therefore, alters the language of a rape victim, or in this case, an assault victim, in order to use the proper pronouns. We don't want to offend this individual who is cited in a number of violent episodes across the globe and even possibly grooming underage children in the United States. We don't want them upset. And so now, idiotically, the text reads, all of a sudden, they are on top of me, choking me. My friend's filming sees that they obviously are not joking. And once they start getting into this, they completely conflate the language. Because if you say my friend who's filming sees they are obviously not joking. Are you talking about Ezra? You're talking about your friend. Now we don't even know what is going on because of this. So he stops filming, pushes them off of me. Is it more than one person or just Ezra? As they are still trying to fight me. And here it gets even worse than that. Quote, two guy friends of mine are actually holding Miller back as they are screaming. Okay, are the two guys screaming? Is Miller screaming? Are everybody screaming? And this is what you wanted. This is what you wanted, he said. Or they said, I should say. This is what is taking place anymore, that the language gets so contorted, so abused, in order to appease this minor faction of the country. But in so doing, you're also appeasing and protecting the attackers in these stories. And at some point in time, you would think a realization should come over some of these news agencies. I mean, you've got not just a conflation of pronouns, but you're mangling the language to such a degree that you don't even know what's happening anymore in your own report. So you're saying that two friends of mine are holding them back. What's going on anymore? This is, this is the thing that people are afraid to speak out on in the press anymore. For me to come out and say that this doesn't make sense any longer, that we don't even know what's happening any longer, is insensitive on my part. And this is just what's growing and growing. All right, folks, I want to thank you for a few hours of listening here. Enjoy the weekend on everybody. I'm uh, appreciative for being able to sit in for Pete on his program. And we are going to be back here on Monday. So in the meantime, you can uh, see my work over at Town Hall, at Red State, or at Twitter. I am at Martini Shark. <laughs>